the girls breaking the world record in the 100 free ACOM games because I don't think that they expected to then. And Kate's final leg in that relay was just unbelievably fast. It was 51 flat. Yeah, I think that was pretty exciting. I love the relay because they can swim together. Welcome to Swim.Rocks, the show that shares ideas, information and inspiration between swimming people who stay dry. I'm your host, Ben Ramsden, and this week we're celebrating our very first birthday. Yes, how exciting is that? Happy birthday to us. And to celebrate this first birthday, we've got a very, very special guest. We've invited Jenny Campbell onto the show. Jenny, you probably know, is mother of Kate and Bronte Campbell. And, um, you know, though it's fun to talk to uh, the mother of somebody with such high-profile kids, I was actually really more interested to talk to her about um, the dynamics of how you run a family, uh, not only with those two, but she has five kids altogether. So uh, I just can't imagine how you manage to juggle the various priorities logistically and emotionally of, of managing a family like that. So that's what I was really keen to talk to her about. And I guess on top of that, uh, her eldest, Kate, uh, was born in 1992, so she's been a swimming parent longer than most of us. So I just felt that we could get some really good insights from Jenny, and I really appreciate her finding the time to speak to us recently. Anyway, I started off by asking her about her own swimming career. Well, I'd hardly call it a career. Um, I'd probably say that for the last six years since the London Olympics I've kind of been trying to do a little bit of master's swimming well no I started swimming with a squad and then in 2014 at the end of 2014 a friend suggested that we go and swim at Panpax Masters on the Gold Coast and we did that and we really really enjoyed the experience of being with a group of people who just swam for enjoyment And for the vast majority of them, it was just fun. Nobody took it too seriously. You met people of varying ages, abilities, and it was wonderful. And so two years later, we repeated that exercise. And then the year after that, actually joined Masters and have competed at a few Masters events since then. That sounds absolutely fantastic. You must tell me, did you get any advice from any of your kids or any any one-on-one coaching? Uh, no, not yet. I keep telling them they need to sign me up for that. Um, we're kind of planning a family relay a bit later this year, and I have told them that I need some extra coaching before then because I am the weakest link in this relay. <laughs> so uh, relays require four swimmers. Uh, I can understand who three three might be. Who would be the fourth? Um, well, we have four girls, and so actually it's Jessica who's the – Kate Bronte, Jess is my third child. So she swam at national age very many years ago. And I've managed to coax her back into the water and she swims a couple of times a week with me. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Um, My kids have been trying to teach me to tumble turn in the backyard pool. And um, put it this way, I think they laugh so much. I'm not sure sure how much um, effective tuition is going on. So. (laughs) Well, the problem was was that I was a synchronized swimmer in my deep and dark past, 
And so I can make anything look really good in water. Um, won't necessarily be fast, but I can make it look nice. Wow. <laughs> so I can make a tumble turn look really good. <laughs> so what do you do when you turn? Do you sort of do a little dance move halfway through or hold still for, for 20 seconds <laughs> while the judges grade you? How does it work? Oh, no, no, no. I can tumble turn properly. But, it, I mean, I can be very neat in water. So nobody's... <laughs> um, in fact, Rob Kuzak, who is Simon, who coaches the girls, um, Rob Kuzak has actually been helping me with starts and turns. He tries to get me to be a bit more urgent off the blocks and off the wall because I'm very neat, but not so urgent. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll take that into my, um, my squad swimming on Friday morning, more <laughs> urgency off the blocks. Thank you for that coaching tip. If it's helpful, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> very good. So the world knows you as the mother of, of Bronte and Kate and um, you know many of our listeners are, are parents and therefore you know understand that when you have kids your identity does get linked to their kids to, to a certain extent particularly those of us who've sort of um, prioritized childcare over perhaps our professional careers but but how do you feel about having that as an identity? Um. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, like you say, I think it doesn't matter who your children are. You will be linked to them in various ways. Um, and I guess, provided my children are good people, then I'm really happy to be linked with them. <laughs> so it's less the swimming, but more who they are. That's important to me. And... Um, I know that I have been asked in the past, sometimes tongue-in-cheek, sometimes not so tongue-in-cheek, is how do you bring up an Olympic athlete? And I go, well, actually, you don't bring up an Olympic athlete. You bring up a good person. And if they happen to become an Olympic athlete, well, then that's brilliant. Um, and I guess that's, um, that's where I would prefer my identity to lie if it's going to be linked with my kids rather than their achievement in the swimming pool. Now, you've got five kids, one of whom has special needs. How do you go about nurturing multiple siblings, particularly in the sort of dynamic of your family where some of them have excelled publicly and, and sort of turned into superstars? Um, I actually think with Hamish that's not really an issue because Hamish doesn't have a desire to succeed. I think it was a lot more difficult with Jess, who was a good swimmer, but not a brilliant swimmer, but never ever appreciated what she achieved as a swimmer because it was never anywhere near as good as what Kate and Bronte had achieved. So the only way to be a good swimmer was to be an Olympic swimmer. And the fact that she qualified for national age, even though she was one of only a few people in her squad, she never saw that as being an achievement or worthwhile achievements. So that was probably, she was probably the most difficult. Um, Abigail, who's my youngest, who is 17 and just finished year 12, she became quite disinterested in swimming because she never liked that comparison and that question that you were always asked, do you swim too? And she's gone down the martial arts route and has been very successful in martial arts and loves it and has her whole group of friends there. And in fact, she's nine years behind Kate in school. We sent her to 
a different secondary school to where Kate and Bronte had been because I didn't want people always expecting of her what Kate and Bronte had achieved. And I think that you've just got to celebrate their achievements and it's not always easy. I'm really sort of interested about how how you can sort of reframe or, or normalize success um, you know within the family because you know you, you talk about you know success in swimming in your family means becoming an Olympian whereas to, to, to most to most people just in fact, the average Australian if they could swim 50 meters would be absolutely fantastic I mean do you, do you try and normalize things or has your main approach been just to divert people into different or support them in, in different interests like martial arts for example um, well, martial arts was Abby's choice. Jess, as I say, Jess swam, and Jess, that was the right sport for her because she was good at it. Um, I guess we do not have a trophy cabinet here. We do not have things up on the walls or that um, promote the fact that being an Olympic swimmer is what makes you a worthwhile person. Um, and that's I guess I haven't done that consciously to include the other kids. It's just not been something that we've ever done. And I guess maybe that's been helpful. Um, we do have a couple of the things that the girls have been given that have been sort of stuck on a wall because they're being stored in our house, but they're stuck in a wall down a hallway somewhere and not in a public place. Um, yeah, I... I don't know that I have a ready answer for that, but to remind people that out of the however many hundreds of thousands of children that swim in Australia, the top 10% of those children will make it through to their age group, to the national age group. So that's a huge achievement. And I think that's how the qualifying times are set. But 42 of those kids will make it through onto the Olympic team. That's 42 out of all the swimmers in Australia. That's not realistic for everyone. <laughs> um, and I think they need to know those numbers. You talk about uh, what makes you a good person, and that's completely independent of, of results in sport, which I, which I really admire. Um, from a pure time perspective, uh, swimming takes up a huge amount of time and, you know, can, can take over the family, you know, not least with damp swimming cozies and towels just lying, lying all over the house. Yep. Have, have, you, have you tried to avoid it taking over? Um, and if so, how? Yep, I guess one of the lessons that we learned when Hamish was born and he was he's the fourth of the five children. So we knew that he, he would have special needs from a very young age. He was very sick. Um, and Eric and I sat down and we said, Hamish is one of four children at that stage and he has to remain one of four children. He'll need some extra, but he has to still be part of the family. He can't be our only child. And, Kate was 14 when she swam at the Sydney Youth Olympic Festival. And she was, she at that time swam, I think it was a 24.8 for the 53, which was, 
the fastest time. It would have been a world junior record at the time if they'd had them, but they didn't. Um, and I can remember sitting down and saying the same thing. Kate's going to need a bit of extra now, but she's still one of five children and she has to remain one of five children. And there's some things that we will be able to give her, but there are other things that she won't be able to have. And one of the things that they neither Kate nor Bronte have been able to have is us go on every swimming trip with them. In fact, they used to go to national age without us mostly. Um, Simon would go down and one of the mums or two of the parents, Eric went sometimes as a manager to help driving them around and do the cooking and look after that side. But we didn't go down as a family. And we've been there for very few competitions and even going to Rio, um, Hamish is too sick to travel now. Um, I had to stay here with Hamish and Eric could go with the other two girls to Rio. So they just, yes, they need extra, but it has to be in the context of the family. And we carpooled with people around us. We shared lifts out to Chandler. We just didn't do it all on our own. Yes, it sounds like having a supportive community around you has been absolutely crucial. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think being able to ask, um, you know, Simon and Rob were brilliant as well. Occasionally they would even take the kids out to Chandler for us and we'd come out later and pick them up or they would take them out for me if it was an evening event and Eric would swing by and watch them swim and pick them up on the, you know, bring them home again. So that was, that was a big compromise that we had to make. Now I touched earlier on sort of damp swimming cozies and towels. (laughs) I'm very curious. um, What sort of rules do you have around the house around letting things like that lie around or not? Or how do you, how do you police the, the fridge and the larder? Because swimmers are well known for devouring anything in, in sight. And, you know, if you've got a strict bedtime routine to make sure you can be up pre-dawn, how, how do you sort of arrange some of the practicalities? Um, do you know that's really weird? I can't really think of it being all that bad. I think I've learned with five children that life can't be how I would necessarily choose it to be all the time. So I've learned to relax about a lot of things. Um, Yeah, you know, the deck was always just full of things. I just got tidied up if somebody was coming. Um, Yeah, they still walk into the house if they visit and the first place they go is the fridge. If there's food, they eat it. If there isn't, they whinge. Um, I guess you just have food around all the time. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't police any of those things very strictly. And um, as far as diet went generally, I think that was the last thing we ever really looked at. We said, and I do remember having the discussion with Kate around the time she went to Beijing. Um, We went you've got all these things to do to improve. Let's just keep eating what we normally eat. And then when you reach a plateau, then let's start looking specifically at supplements and diet. So we just tried to eat balanced meals as a family 
and didn't do anything special until a fair bit later. I can't even remember when they started with supplements and things. Wow, I can imagine there's a uh, a few parents <laughs> thinking about <laughs> thinking about that point in terms of um, just just going with the flow around the house. Although it sounds like pragmatically, it's the ideal solution for you. It's what works for you. Yeah. I, I have had to learn to just um, close my eyes to a number of things that I wouldn't have earlier on in life. <laughs> it's funny, my, my, my wife and I, I think she has less of a mess tolerance than I do. Um, so when she starts um, <laughs> when she starts making comments, I know it's, it's time for the rest of us to lift our game around the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There have been days that I've gone, okay, for my sake, this house has to be tidied now. Otherwise, I'm going to lose the plot, guys. <laughs> and then everybody knew that they better get off their butt and tidy up. Um, now that <laughs> it was all right. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. Your um, your your big swimmers have now left home. Uh, what, what was it like when they left? I mean, how do you feel now that now they've gone? Yeah. Well, actually, they left home in oh, when was London? A year after London. They moved out, so they moved into a flat together in um, Brisbane City because Simon moved across from the local swimming pool to um, a sort of central pool in the city. And they moved into a flat just a few hundred metres from that pool. So we saw them quite often then. And then after Rio, so three years later, they each bought their own homes and moved in with friends or tenants in their own homes and that was across the western side at least the eastern side of um, Brisbane so we didn't see them anywhere near so often um, after Rio so it's kind of been this sort of gradual move away and now of course they're down in Sydney so we don't see them very often at all but I have to remind myself that when we were their age we packed up our car and we drove up through Zimbabwe and Zambia to Malawi which was a very big trek in those days because there was a war in Mozambique and we just left home and there was no communication <laughs> and I have to let them go on their own adventure and I think it's pretty cool that they can and this is the time to do it. I see so their, their version of your jungle then or the African plains is moving to Sydney. <laughs> It's moving to Sydney, that's what I said. There's a solid bitumen road with probably no potholes and um, communication ability the whole way down with RACQ or whatever the New South Wales version is of it. Once you cross the border, I don't think we have to worry too much. Yeah, and certainly no passports required. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, so... I kind of have to go back to us at their age and think this is a very normal thing to do. Just go and enjoy it. Yeah, my mum tells a story about when she uh, left home at 17 or 18 to go to university. She just went down the local station with her suitcase and, and got on the train. And apparently after getting to university, she wrote her mum a letter. Um, so it was probably a few days before our mum knew that she was she'd got there, which by today's standards is is almost unheard of. But it just shows how times change. Yep, that's right. Yep, and yeah. So for I think we travelled up there for four or five days, and then eventually got to 
Malawi where Eric was going to work and got to a person's house where we could phone our parents and say we've got here safely. <laughs> oh, very good. Now, a lot of parents find the teenage years quite challenging and, and sport is one of those things that, that, that can keep uh, things moving on a, on a reasonably stable keel. How, how did you keep your girls sort of swimming through those, uh, those interesting times? Yeah, well, that's where I was really fortunate because my kids were achieving at a really young age. So to remain motivated was quite easy for them through the teenage years. Um, like Kate qualified for the Beijing Olympics as a 15-year-old and swam just after she turned 16. Um, and Bronte qualified as an 18-year-old, was well, 17 and then turned 18. So, you know, yeah, I can't really help you out. <laughs> it just, it just kind of worked. It just kind of worked, but I will say, as you've just said in that, you know, in, as you asked that question, is that I really, really, really believe keeping kids active through teenage years and I think connected socially with a group is really important. So they enjoyed the people that they swam with, which I think is a really big plus. Um, and they obviously enjoyed swimming and were succeeding in it. And even for Jess, who swam through till she was sort of 18, 19, um, the same thing. And when Simon moved on and the squad changed, that was when Jess lost interest in swimming. So I think if they can have good social connections attached to the sport that they're doing, I think you're much more likely to keep them or they're much more likely to want to stay there. It's really interesting. A lot of people have commented to me about how swimming looks like an individual sport from the outside, but when you're in it, it's a, it's it's very much a, a team sport in in a, in a different sort of way. Oh yeah, and I'll say that for myself. The reason that I swim now is because I enjoy the people I swim with, and in fact, I swim with three different squads and I keep making myself go to all these three places because I like the people <laughs> at all of them. So besides enjoying the swimming, um, the, the social um, side of it for me is really big and I would imagine it's exactly the same for our teenagers. Mm, mm. Now we've, we've talked about your two fastest swimmers as sort of together but they're in direct competition against each other how do yeah. you emotionally support their individual achievements when when they're in that competitive dynamic yeah it's actually that is probably one of the most difficult things and it's probably the thing i admire them for the most is that they've managed to maintain their friendship as sisters despite being direct competitors and i think that's a really really tough one to do I often call myself psycho mum because you've got such mixed emotions at the end of a race and it's not about who's come first and who's come second it's about one being happy with their swim and one being unhappy with their swim if they came third and fourth or fifth and sixth in a race but they were both happy with what they'd achieved that's fine um but for example, Brunty beating Kate um, in the 100 free com games, I mean, obviously it was wonderful for Brunty and it, she was thrilled and excited. 
but we knew that Kate was disappointed with her swim. And unfortunately, the happiest you can feel is your saddest emotion at that moment. So it is really hard to celebrate with the one who's celebrating when you've got one who's not celebrating, if that makes any sense. And I think it's the one who does well that loses out a bit on support um, or your support because you're probably hurting more than you're celebrating as a parent. What, what you said there very much resonates with me and um, I know several several colleagues around swimming for whom that will resonate with as well. So, so thank you for sharing that. Now, social media... <laughs> Do you follow your kids on social media? <laughs> no, I tell them I'm not a follower. I'm a stalker. So occasionally I stalk them, but no, I don't follow them. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't do social media, to be very honest. I got a Facebook account two years ago, and that's because I'm back studying at university. And the only way to do group assignments with 18-year-olds is via Facebook. And so I have a Facebook account for my assignments at uni, and I get the BBC news feed via Facebook. <laughs> that's the only thing I use it for. Oh, very nice. But as a result of having it, I can stalk them from time to time. And I think that the only person, oh no, I think I'm friends with Bronte maybe and Abigail, but um, the rest of my children, I only, I'm only friends with people who invite me to be friends with them. So they've never invited me to be their friends. <laughs> oh, very good. I think Facebook's actually regarded as being uncool because uh, people of our age use it, therefore it can't possibly be. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Twitter and Instagram. There's no way I'm setting up Twitter and Instagram <laughs> accounts. But I can stalk their public ones if I want to see where they're going or if they're doing something. But, yeah, I do that occasionally, but not not all that often. Well, Jenny, we've been talking for about 25 minutes and I'm conscious you've got a lot you've got to get on with. So if I may, I'd like to change gear a bit now and just move into our quick fire round of questions to uh, to close off with. So is, is that good for you? Sure. Okay, we've got, we got five questions. Uh, number one, what's been the most useful piece of advice or equipment that you've had as a swimming parent? My car. <laughs> Fantastic. Nobody's ever said that before, but it's it's just completely obvious, isn't it? <laughs> I can't think of anything else. <laughs> Question two. If you were to officiate at a New South Wales meet, which of course you wouldn't, the lucky door prize is a bottle of wine or box of chocolates. Are you wine or chocolates? Chocolate any day. What sort? Uh, lint. <laughs> ah, very exclusive. Yeah. Question three. Or, or else. No, I do have another or else to that one. Old gold. I keep bars of old gold, dark chocolate and almond in my cupboard, and I eat four pieces on my way to swimming at five o'clock in the morning if I go swimming early. Oh, I see. So that's your breakfast pre-swimming, is it? Yeah, yeah. Is that the secret of your success? Uh, it must be. Okay, we'll keep that secret for later. <laughs> Question three, what, if anything, would you do differently if you had your time as a swimming parent again? 
Um, I think possibly being more open to the kids doing some other wilder things. I think maybe when they were achieving as really young children, I was scared for them to do things that might cause injury that would impact on their swimming. Um, I don't know if they would have done wilder things, but maybe I wouldn't have worried about it so much. Question four. What's your 50 metres freestyle personal best time? Oh, I know that. I did it the other day. 29.92. Fantastic. You're one of our faster guests. Well, I broke 30 seconds. I've been trying to do that for about 18 months. <laughs> and fantastic. that was long course. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. That was long course. Excellent. Okay. Yes. So at 54, you can still improve. Just a little heads up there for all the older people out there. And are you going to eat more chocolate? Is that your lesson? Oh, any day. I'll eat more chocolate any day. <laughs> I mean to reduce your time. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Actually, that's the other thing. We do take a bar of chocolate to any of these swim meets with us and just nibble on a couple of pieces before each race. So who knows? Maybe I should have more than two before a race. And the final question is, what's been your most exciting swimming moment? Oh... I think probably the girls breaking the world record in the 100 free ACOM games because that was the end this year, um, the COM games last year um, on the Gold Coast because I don't think that they expected to then. And um, Kate's final leg in that relay was just unbelievably fast. It was 51 flat. Um, yeah, I think that was pretty exciting. I love the relay because they can swim together. Jenny Campbell, thank you so much for joining us today. That's very, very much appreciated. Thank you for sharing so willingly. It's been lovely talking to you. You're welcome. Thank you for asking me. Since recording that interview, I've had the privilege to listen back to it on a few occasions. And I have to say, for me, there's so much wisdom contained in some of her answers so once again, thank you very much, Jenny, for uh, sharing your insights with us. And um, I realise we didn't give you any birthday cake. Uh, actually, we don't have any birthday cake, but uh, perhaps I should get you some chocolate because clearly that's, uh, that's what you enjoy most. So yes, it is our birthday, our first birthday. 12 months ago at Sydney Olympic Park during Age Nationals, we launched this podcast and here we are 34 episodes later. And 34 episodes mean we've got a growing back catalogue of episodes if you want to listen back. And one particular one I thought I'd share with you this week is episode five, where Peter Shell joins us to talk about the rules of swimming and officiating. Now, the reason I'm raising this now is that I've been at various meets over the last few weeks where people have been chasing times to qualify for nationals. And unfortunately, on a very few occasions, um, people have been disqualified, which they're understandably very upset about. So unfortunately, I've been part of some quite uh, challenging and passionate conversations around the rules of swimming and determinations that have been made. So if you're not an expert on the rules of swimming, then I suggest you tune in to episode five just to uh, 
learn a little bit more. And if you happen to know anybody that may be interested in this podcast, then you can uh, do please uh, recommend they listen in. You can listen to us on iTunes or on your iPhone, or if you've got an Android phone, you can use Stitcher. We're also on Spotify. And also you could just go to our website, swim.rocks, and listen to us there. And uh, if you want to keep in contact or send a message or make a suggestion, then do write to me. You can email me, ben at swim.rocks, or go to our Facebook page, which, yes, is called swim.rocks. Anyway, that really is it for this week. Thanks ever so much for joining us. Until we meet next time, do please stay dry. Stay dry.